Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where every single week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by just asking some questions, interviewing thinkers, having some real honest conversations about what it looks like for us to lead the next generation. I am Brett, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Charlie. Hey, friends. Chef. Hey, everybody. And our friend Kristen. Hey. So Kristen Ivy, this is your very first time on being on this podcast. This podcast, the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. I'm excited. Yeah. So some of you might be familiar with Kristen from Orange Tour, Orange Conference, Phase Project, all sorts of those different pieces. But in case they're not familiar, who are you? What do you do? (laughs) Well, um, I'm the mother of three children, so I'm a mom. And I've also been working at Orange for a little bit over 15 years now. And I sit in the executive team, um, leading the organization primarily from a strategy alignment with our messaging standpoint. Very cool. And if you were at Orange Conference and you saw the cute movies of the kids putting together the Millennium Falcon. So cute. Sawyer, what some might argue is the cutest. The kid with the the, the leader Mm -hmm. with the glasses. That's that's Kristen's oldest. He's my claim to fame. Yeah. And how has fame been for him since that has (laughs) aired? We were unprepared in our home (laughs) to deal with a level of fame. There were a few of you, I don't know if you're listening now, who actually asked him for autographs on site, and that was not helpful for our parenting <laughs> in the home. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to be discussing the idea of building parent buy-in for your youth ministry. So let's just kind of lay the foundation first. How would you describe what parent buy-in might look like in, in a healthy youth ministry? That they leave the parking lot and come inside? Oh, I, I thought I'm, you meant like when they're done, they oh, leave. Oh, well, that oh, yeah. could be a good part, <laughs> like, too. Hey, guys, program ended an hour ago. Could you? So that they don't just do pickup <laughs> is what you mean by that. They yeah. come in and they interact. Yes, or okay. they leave their car. Maybe that's the better way to say that. Okay. But that there's some interaction with you as the pastor of their student, okay. right? I think that's a hard question for me because so often we look at that through a lens of how a parent participates with what we want to do in ministry rather than how we as a ministry are helping the parent in the home after our ministry hours are over. But I mean, I know when you're sitting there in a ministry, I've been a small group leader for a very long time. And one of the first things that does come to mind is I just want them to pick their kids up on time, you know, or I just want them to volunteer to drive our group from time to time so that we can get to the bowling alley and get back to the church because my car just doesn't have enough seatbelts. But we usually measure it in terms of those kinds of things like help us drive, help chaperone, help volunteer, pick your kids up on time, remember to sign up for camp. There's that long list of things we want a parent to do. But is that really the goal? Yeah. Yeah. So a big question is building parent buy-in for your youth ministry. What are we trying to help them buy into? That's good. Because so often, I think in youth ministry, what you're saying, Kristen, is we feel like the goal is we've got to get parents to buy into what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. We want want them to show up to this event, to this program. If we're not careful, a lot of times that's even ego-driven. Like, I I need you to buy into this retreat because if six kids go to this retreat, I'm going to feel terrible about myself. (laughs) But if 50 kids go, I'll probably feel pretty good about myself. We're driven by need. I mean, I know there have been times when it's just like simply, I just, 
I need help. Um, yeah. So often in ministry, you're trying to pull off these huge things and you've got to have people to help you and you don't have the money to pay a m massive staff, right? So it depends on volunteers and a lot of those volunteers can be parents. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of that battle. Yeah. And I think one of the, the bigger picture things that we're really trying to get at with this idea of building parent buy-in for your youth ministry is not just getting them to buy into to what we're doing, but getting them to buy into this this idea and this strategy that you are the the lead spiritual influence in the life of your kids. And so what does it look like for you to buy into not just dropping your kids off and allowing us to disciple them, but how do we help them buy into this idea that right. we're here to to partner together? Well, that's a huge, I think it's, it's a huge issue that we run into. And, you know, a lot of it's cultural, like the church for a, for many years has been seen as the place where the kid gets their spiritual direction right. and parents drop them off. We grew up in those churches. Now we're in charge of them and we kind of expect yeah. that that's just kind of how it works. And so even for us, it's hard to think through what are our habits? How do we talk about these sorts of things? And, um, how do we communicate them clearly? Because often we accidentally just kind of communicate what we're used to. I mean, even in schools, like, you know, when I was, you know, working back in the public and private schools, middle school is the time culturally that parents start to step back mm. up until they get that first report card and then they come crashing back in. <laughs> and there's such a better way. And if we can engage parents somewhere along the, the way to help them understand, like, no, 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 in school and in church, especially when it yeah. comes to faith stuff, like... If we have a plan of how to engage, now you're going to engage differently as they go through adolescences, adolescences, adolescence, and differently as they get older. But um, we've got to think those things through and think about the ways that we communicate and make sure that we're not communicating yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah. Accidentally, which I do all the time. So. When you're talking, Chef, I love this idea, but I also, in the back of my mind, I have to run things kind of through stories in my life. And I think if you had tried to fight to get my parents buy-in when I was going through youth ministry right. way back, it wasn't necessarily about changing their mindset from a drop-off mentality because they didn't drop me off. Yeah. I came with a friend right. or I drove myself. No, they didn't point. even know I was going to that church. Hmm. So where in youth ministry do we begin to shift the perspective for the parents who don't even know their kids are coming? Yeah. Hmm. No, that's a really good thought because school's a different thing. They know they're. They do know they're yep. at they school. They knew the, they do know they're at school. I think you know, and part of it is, you know, I have high school folks come to me all the time that are trying to figure out how to get parents engaged and even maybe even go after that parent, you mm -hmm. know. But most of the time, like when a student's in tenth or eleventh grade, and we haven't gone after them or trained them how to be engaged for years by this point. Yeah, you know, and so that's maybe a point we might get to. But like, if your parent uh, engagement plan starts in ninth grade and there was a three-year break or yeah. a two-year break in middle or junior high, good luck with that. That's, you know, <laughs> you're working up uphill. We've really got to go back to where they're used to being engaged and show them the path, Yeah, you know, to be engaged from there. Yeah. So, so what would be, what would be some practical things that you would think about? We're talking about buy-in, yes, maybe from a programmatic, whatever, like, you know, they believe in what we're trying to do with the church, but, but more so than that, they're buying into the idea that they want to partner with us to help them expand their their influence in the life of their kids. So, what are some practical some practical things that you might see in a youth ministry where 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 that's happening? So, for instance, parents are coming into the program and hopefully maybe having some some conversations with their kids small group leaders or you know with with the leaders. What are some other? I just want to identify what some of those real practical things might look like before we jump in. 
you know, for me, it's really simple. I was a small group leader, so that's, again, where I come from in a perspective. But it's that every parent knows the phone number, email address, hmm. point of contact with a small group leader, with that adult who's relationally connected with their kid, and that they are actually reaching out and contacting that person. Yeah. Um, that the communication isn't always flowing church to parent, but that you begin to see communication flowing parent back to church. When a parent really sees the church as a partner, they will start coming to you. Mm. So if they're calling, if they're texting, if they're emailing the adult who knows their child, then you've really got a partnership. It works both directions. I think that's important. And I think a lot of parents need explained what a small group leader Mm. is. I mean, mean, many of them didn't have it. You know, I, I always would say, how many of you had that adult in your life you could go to with a secret or a question that you wouldn't go to with your parents, you know, mm-hmm. and half the room raises their hand. I'm like, well, that's what we're going for when we're talking about relational ministry, that we're going to teach some biblical truth, but we want them to really wrestle with somebody that they trust. And so one, we're going to give you a gift in a small group leader, you know, and one thing we would do is we would have business cards that, that had the contact information and we'd hand it out from the beginning, but that, that wouldn't have worked had we not explained Here's what we're trying to do. Here's right. what we're trying to create for, for your kid. And by the way, they've signed up for, in my world, a three-year commitment. They've done background checks. They've been through a ton of interviews to love your kid, and they haven't met your kid yet. Mm. So give them a big hug when you meet them and spoil them at Christmas, you know, those sorts of things. But just some, just some practical ideas. Yeah. The business card, tell them who they are. I don't know, Charlie, what do you think? I kind of go back to what um, Kristen was saying about the parents not even knowing their kids are at church. That was really a reality for me because I ran a very outreach-based ministry. Yeah. And I the angry phone call, my kid didn't come home from school. Was he with you? Like this like really like questioning wow. yeah. type. Yeah. He was with me. It's a safe environment. But to me, it's how do you partner with those parents? Because yeah. I feel like church parents are easy, right? They're, that's an easy win. It's easy to connect them with small group leaders. And they understand having another caring, consistent adult in easier. Easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not, Not always easy. easy. <laughs> no, yeah. I but how do you reach out to the mom who works two jobs and yeah. she's home alone mm-hmm. or the grandparent who's raising a 13 year old who right. is like at their wits who didn't end. necessarily sign up. For right. It. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the small group leader answer so much because as a small group leader, I had some parents like that where they would connect with someone who was relationally connected to their child, maybe in a different way than the church. It was fun as a small group leader. Once I actually started to value parents because that was a journey If I'm really honest with my own story as a small group leader, I didn't really see parents as valuable Mm -hmm. in a kid's life for a long time. But once I kind of turned that corner, there were opportunities with those parents that you're talking about, Charlie, to say, well, could you just meet me for coffee really quick? Because I hang out with your kid every week. I think she's fantastic. And I see that you've done a really great job with her. And I would just love to meet you. And that's such a different ask for a parent who doesn't go to church or maybe feels a little intimidated by church or doesn't feel comfortable stepping in the doors of a ministry to go, yeah, I'll go to coffee with an adult who hangs out with my daughter every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and And to push back a little bit, Charlie, I feel like I've seen a lot of instances where those parents that, that aren't involved at all, get to the place we want them to get to quicker because they're just not used to what we're trying to do. And there's a lot of church families that it's, they still sort of like, mm. yeah, but you know, I, but I, this is like I, your job. I drop my kid off. Right. This is yeah. kind of what you're supposed to well, do. I'll yeah. say, Hey to you mm-hmm. in the hallway, right. but 
Like, it's not necessarily something that's going to change the way that I feel about what we're doing. I, yeah. I think that's totally true with, you know, in my middle school world, when I would bring parents from elementary school to, or, you know, to middle school, many of them would basically assume, especially if they grew up with church, this is where I drop them off, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. And then unchurched parents, the parents who had, we, we had reached as a church, they were actually easier to deal with because yeah. they were like, just tell me what to do. I'm happy, <laughs> yeah. happy to do that. And they, and the other parents sit and nod their head. Of course, that's a good idea, but they move straight into what they know, which is drop them off and, you know, keep so, going. So with that idea that as leaders, at least I would often interpret that as apathy. It, it may not be that. Right. It may have been, yeah. I'm just I'm just busy, or this is just kind of the, the pattern and the cycle that we just kind of assume mm-hmm. the church is. But, but what, whatever it is, how do we as leaders create that buy-in? And really, that might be too big of a picture. I know. You know it's that, how do we get them to take that next step? Well, I think in those situations is something that, that Kristen just said. She said, I, you know, as a small group leader, it took me a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is a super practical step, but here's a very practical step. Say out loud, parents are more important than I think. Mm. You know, um, that's something I had to do. I had to fight. I mean, it. You know, North Point was an interesting place to be involved because North Point focused, and that was it. You know, every church is a reaction to the last church, right? And so, <laughs> North Point was a reaction to we're trying to be everything to everybody. To we're going to be these things to these people, yeah. and you had specific jobs, job descriptions, and my job was to focus on middle schoolers. And for me to stop what I was doing for middle schoolers to focus on parents, I fought it. Cause I would say, no, that's adult ministry's job to do mm. that. Mm. And it took me a few years to realize, oh no, no, no. If I want to focus on middle schoolers, mm-hmm. this is worth the time. And adult ministries isn't going to focus on the things necessarily that I need them to. Yeah. I mean, I tried to partner a couple of times, work sometimes, works doesn't, but it had to be my thing that I needed to champion to adult ministries. And then there were just some things that that just worked better for where we are because they would show up because they cared for their kids. Like I had them, I had the leverage, yeah. you know, for me, it was a lot simpler than that. I just didn't like parents. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I mean, yeah. yeah, totally. I was a, they're hard. Yeah. I was a gymnastics coach. I didn't like them either for a long clear. time. So I coached <laughs> these I gymnasts one. and I had yeah. parents to deal with. And then I was a high school teacher and had parents to deal with. And I wasn't a parent yet. Right. So my perspective was a little different at back in those days. And, there was just a part of me that anytime I heard from a parent, they were complaining about something. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were requesting something from me without an approach of empathy. You know, mm-hmm. there's the part of me going, you don't understand what I actually do for your kid. Right. I'm here. I'm really not getting a tremendous salary to yeah. do these things it's for your child. I <laughs> care about them. I care about their future. I'm investing all this stuff. Why don't you see everything I'm doing? And yet there were complaints and there were yeah. requests and there were needs. And so it's very easy over time just to get jaded and yeah. think... Yeah. It's not even that I don't know how to partner with you. I just don't actually like you. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. your kid. Yeah. It's so funny you say that. I just left a teacher conference, you know, and, you know, our number three, he's, he's a blessing. And uh, <laughs> so we're just trying to sort it out and figure all of that out. And so we went in to see his teacher for the first time. And the first 20 minutes were me trying to prove to her, hey, I'm not here to complain about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. She, because, But that's what she does most of the time. Yeah, and right. I, I had yourself. to say, hey, I sat in your seat for 10 years. Yeah, I don't think you're asking my kid to do too much. I just need help. 
Yeah. I need a third set of eyes mm-hmm. watching them in a different environment so I can crack the code on this yep. yes. crazy man. You know? So as it is with most leadership things, it, like step one has to be us. It has to be the lens that we're looking through, right. the motivation that we have, what we're trying to, yeah. to accomplish. We're not trying to use them to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We're trying, if anything, to be a resource to them to accomplish what ultimately they they want to accomplish. Because they can do what what we want to do better yep. than we can. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they are the number one spiritual influence in the kid's life, good or bad. So you know? so what are some other things that we that, that we can do as leaders to help them understand that, to help them again, whether that's they're not connected at all to they're connected a little bit or they're really connected, but now they're in, like, how do we, how can we get them to take that one next step, whatever yeah. that looks like? I think for me, moving parents from the parking lot to come inside. And remember, these are a lot of outreach parents that don't really care too much about church, but they care about their kid. Yep. So we would partner a student event with a parenting event. and Because every parent wants to be better at being a parent, right? So regardless about their faith, right, and their faith journey, we just wanted to equip them to be better parents. Yeah. So it was a really great way to move them from the parking lot to inside the church. Yeah. What were some of the topics that you used for parent events? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, well, I love Parenting Beyond Your Capacity is hmm. one of our favorite books that we would work through. I think technology is a great parenting topic because every parent wants to know what's the latest trend, yeah. right? What's happening on their phones and what are they looking at? And so equipping parents to understand technology, easy oh, way. bar is low. Yeah. yeah, they are so behind. Well, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm behind. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah. I've been doing this kind of piece recently where I'm learning new lingo even. So technology you know, leads to digital social media, and I'm constantly trying to learn the hashtags or learn the vernacular. What does yeah. this yeah. word mean? Mm. I just realized the word ship means you want two people With to be P? in a relationship. I oh. ship them. Yeah. As in oh, like really? I, ship, I ship those two teenagers, whatever. Oh, like, that's so weird to me. So I mean, even... In my own journey, I'm like constantly trying to keep up and learn. It's because they just make up words all the all time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. annoying. So you right? could host that parent event like every yeah. week. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would be different yeah. every week. Just a vocabulary. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things that we learned is like trust was one of the goals that we, that, we, that we tried to lean up to. And for us, the lowest hanging fruit that we learned to try to build trust was consistent communication. Mm. And so what, you know, for us, that ended up being a few different things is that we had, you know, three parent meetings a year that they all fell on, you know, the Mm. first Sunday, all the schools were back in school in the fall, in the winter. And then the last Sunday, everybody was in school in the spring. We sent out parent emails at three 30 on Thursday, every single week. And so they knew when they were going to be getting it. And we had it, the, the subject had like, you know, youth news, 8.42, 42, 42 days in August, August August 42nd. Uh, so that it was easily searchable because most yes. most of us don't read our emails when we get them. We read our emails when we need them. Right. And so that idea of it's easily searchable, it's showing up every week, it's not going to be long, it's going to be informative. And then yeah. we would also include some sort of resource for them in there that was hopefully helpful. Yeah. But just communicating consistently with them created this level of trust right. really quickly. Oh my goodness, it's so easy to undervalue that. And I love it so much because I talk to leaders now who are working with parents are trying to communicate with parents in schools, in sports, in churches, everywhere. And it's easy to go, hey, wait, I emailed you that thing that one time. Yeah. And forget that on the yeah. other end, you've got a parent maybe with multiple kids 
who have a number of different teachers, a number of different activities, just the amount of communication yeah. that's bombarding them means you've got to get really loud, really consistent, and basically yeah. be everywhere all the time. I, lo- I had never thought about the same time every week. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's great. And write it like a newspaper. Yep. You know, like read the headlines. They're going to dig in where they can, but put some headlines that explain what's going on so that they can do that because, they, again, they're busy. And I used to push my team. I was like, they're only going to read three things. Yeah. Tops. Yep. Well, and that's so. What are they? You know. Well, well, we've got eight things to say. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Right. But they're only going to read three. I things. just got an email the yeah. other day from my son from the swim team, and it was a book. Yeah. I mean, it was a word so block text. Long, especially when you open those up on your phone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like your computer is one thing, but then you open it up on your phone, it's like I can't emotionally no. right. handle this. Plus, I'm going 75 on the. But for, right. <laughs> but never do that. For us, those three were what's coming up this week. That was the first thing. Yeah. And then what's what's coming up? It was just kind of like whatever that next retreat is, whatever we want them to sign up for, whatever, right. we pointed them to the website. And then it was the last piece was like, a, how can we help? Like just some sort of resource, article, podcast that that hopefully kind of met a need for them. And it was just those those three things that we tried to hit on. Because what I've learned in the whole parenting ministry thing is we're, we're kind of talking about this. I thought parent ministry was sort of like, we're on two separate sides and we're each going to build a bridge and we're going to meet in the middle and it's going to be wonderful. But a lot of times what parent ministry is, is we're building the entire bridge to you. And even once we've built the bridge, you might not care until it really matters. And so what we've probably all seen in ministry over and over again is we work so hard. We communicate consistently. We don't really know if they open the emails. We do parent things and the parents we hope show up don't necessarily show up, but we keep trying, we keep trying, we keep trying. And then nothing happens until crisis happens. And then hopefully we've earned their trust. We've, you know, we've, we've built that bridge to where now right. they can go to that small group leader. They can come to us. Which is one of the reasons that technology is a great, because we know that's coming, right? Then we yeah. know there's going to be some issue with technology. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they're not going to know where to go. And if, you know, we can probably sit here and think of the top 10 things that are going to happen over the next six years. Um, Cause that's we've the all next had episode. Calls for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love the bridge analogy so much because another reason I think that it's important for a youth ministry to build the bridge all the way across um, and not expect a parent to build it halfway is because you really are understanding why you want that to exist in the first place. And it really is about being ready to help a parent mm. with the needs that you know as a youth worker are going to come up. Um, You do have a perspective that every parent needs because you're constantly around a group of eighth graders, a group of ninth graders, a group of 10th graders. So you understand more about this season of life than any parent going through it. Because a parent is looking at, you know, they've had a fourth grader, a fifth grader, a sixth grader. By the time they catch up to what's going on in their kid's world, their kid's in a different world. And it's a hard job to try to keep up. As a youth worker, you get to come in with this new perspective of really what goes on in these years and this season of life. And so the bridge is important so that you can be, like Chef said, that third set of eyes Mm -hmm. to say, no, now I see your kid when they're around other 10th graders. Right. And how they behave in light of the way 10th graders typically behave and react. And I can give you some kind of norms and some reassurance and some ability to go, you know what, that's kind of what happens. And mm-hmm. and a parent is still going, wait, but I just had a fourth grader. Right. Yeah. You know, so right. it's it's just hard and, and it really does require all of us to help 
get the right perspective on a kid. That's one of my favorite reasons to have older small group leaders is I love walking through the hall Mm. and hearing that older small group leader who's had kids saying, look, I know it's crazy, but he's a good boy. You know, like compared to other Mm -hmm. eighth grade boys, he's only 10% idiot. Like, you know, (laughs) like the rest, you know, so, I mean, it's just this, that's pretty low. Yeah, I know. He's a really good kid. (laughs) But Um, there is a real value into having these seasoned uh, small group leaders. The majority of my small group leaders were kind of at the retired age, but they just really knew how to love students well. They were patient. They were patient. Yeah. Yeah. I always was really frustrated with a college student because they couldn't handle some of the situations that a retired adult could. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think sometimes we have to rethink what that looks like too. Yeah. Yeah. There's when we talk about practical too and the emails and going back to having, you know, the the email that's consistently coming from the church. As a small group leader, I also like to take the relational approach with emails mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons because you can say something specific about their kid and just for that exact reason that you yeah. were talking about chef to say you can name something good in their kid, mm-hmm. and a parent can never hear that too much. Yep. To just send out one line that's like, hey, just so you know, you know, name of the kid specifically, they make us laugh. Yeah. They're always telling jokes, and it's, it's refreshing to have them in the room. Yep. Parents, especially with middle schoolers and high schoolers, yep. need to know that there are adults who like their kid, yep. enjoy yep. their kid, see things that are great about their kid. And that's why I think it's so important if... If you're listening and you are kind of the, you know, the, the key leader of your ministry, you have to create systems so that your small group leaders can do stuff like that easily. Yeah. And so you create rosters that, that have easy things on there. You, you print out the postcards, you put the stamps on them, you let them know. You create as many systems as possible yeah. so that when your small group leader thinks like, oh, I should reach out to them, it's as it easy it as easy. possible for yeah. them to do. Here's one, um, just a tip, like right before an event, Give all your small group leaders the current roster and the kids who aren't coming Mm -hmm. and ask them to don't just ask them to call the kids who aren't coming, but give them give them a couple of sentences to say. Um, I always like to say, hey, I see that, you know, Jimmy's not signed up and I'm really bummed because I would love to see Jimmy there. Yeah. Like that becomes not is he coming to a church event? It becomes no, I, I was looking forward to spending time with your kid, which just leads to quality conversations. And I love you mentioning events too, because one of my other favorite things to do as a small group leader comes into events. And this again, only happened when I became a parent and I started thinking a little bit differently because I realized in that moment that so often youth workers get moments with teenagers that their parents are jealous of. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I would sit in a room and listen to a girl tell a story in a confessional kind of moment where they'd had a rough year with a parent. There'd been yeah. a lot of conflict and, and they're coming to a great realization and a good place, but I get to be the adult that hears that story. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think in those moments, wait, her mother would love to just have any window right. into this. And without breaking confidentiality, mm-hmm. if you can cue a small group leader up to recognize those moments or think through that lens, you can yeah. go back to a parent and say, hey, just so you know, your daughter said amazing things about you. Yeah. I know it's been really, really tough, but you know she loves you. She thinks you've done an incredible. Just those windows yeah, into right. moments yeah. that we get as youth workers that parents yeah. might wish. I they heard had. you say that years ago, and I was going mountain biking that afternoon with a, a friend of mine, and he's got daughters, and it's a you know a divorce situation and hard, and but you know I said the same thing. I'm like, hey, I talked to your daughter 
when you're not around and she really does think the world of you, you mm. know, and after he stopped crying, we yeah. bike again, <laughs> but I mean, you know, and, but if you're a small group leader, if you're yeah. a church leader and you say something like that, that you're getting parent buy-in. Absolutely. You know? Well, cause it's hard. I know as a mom of a teenage daughter, you don't always get the good side. So it's nice to hear those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you just have to say some things to kind of go on, like just real practical ideas yeah. like, Hey, in relational ministry, what we're trying to do here, quantity time is going to lead to quality time. Yep. Quantity time is going to lead to quality time. So I know it's going to be Sunday afternoon. I know Sunday morning when the rain's perfect, you're going to be thinking, let's just stay home today. But when it comes down to it, later on, quantity time leads to quality time. And those are things I would always say, by the way, another tip, as they're coming out of, you know, in my world, fifth grade to go to sixth grade, when the parents are scared. And mm-hmm. so you engage with that tension and say, hey come to a meeting. I know you're nervous about middle school. I want to tell you a little bit about it. And then again, what are the three things we want them to hear? I know we have 20 things to tell them. Let's figure out when we're going to tell them the rest of them. And just, you know, and that was one of the big things we would always say, like, Hey, coming to church is really important right Mm -hmm. now. It seems simple. You would think everybody knows it, but it mattered that you said that events are so big. You're going to get a year's worth of relationship out of just one event. So please don't that miss that first event. And here's your small group leaders contact information. Yep. We're going to leave now and you can go meet them and they're going to be a part of your life for the next season, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. a thought. Any other ideas? Maybe it's big picture vision casting pieces. Maybe it's structure pieces. Maybe it's just kind of those little practical things. Any, anything else that you would say, Hey, this, this will probably help you create some of that partnership that we want to create. Well, Brett, I think that's a great question. And it makes me think about what um, Chef just alluded to a minute ago when he said, you have 25 things you want a parent to hear, but they're only going to hear three things. And if you can choose to prioritize the way you communicate or the way that you partner with parents to say, okay, the one thing I want to do more Mm -hmm. than anything else is to build a relationship with parents. So your priority isn't just these 25 things that you need them to get their kids to sign up and you need them to register for camp and you need to do all the, all the things you need them to do. But you go, my number one priority is to have a relationship with parents. And to do that, I need to be helpful. Yeah. Um, as a youth leader, you need to be helpful to their everyday world. You begin to model the kind of empathy you hope that parents will have for you mm. as a youth worker, but you begin to be empathetic toward them as a single parent, as a foster parent, as an adoptive parent, as a working parent, as a say, I mean, whatever their reality is, you begin to build some empathy for them and get really practically, tangibly helpful in their world as a way to build that relationship, because then you can get to that other layer and it'll be so much easier. Then the next time when you say, hey, I really desperately need someone to come drive the bus, you're going to have somebody that's like, I'll drive a bus for you because you are helping me win at home. It just changes the game. So Kristen, a lot of our audience, they're younger, they haven't had kids yet, or they've just got little ones. Thoughts on how to really empathize if you haven't lived it yet? I love that question because yeah. I, I think it's so hard. I had a youth worker come in town recently and they were driving with me down the road and they just visited a friend who was a new mom and their eyes were so wide. <laughs> I mean, they just look over at me this and they're like, hard. how is that what people live through on a daily yeah, basis? Right. So there's just this thing. And if you haven't parented teenagers, which I love that point, yeah. you it's just different when you're a small group leader or a youth worker, you get the cool relationship. It's not exactly, I mean, it's cool to be a parent of a teenager too. It's just 
you have to be the disciplinarian in a different right. way. If they wreck mm. the car, it's your car. I mean, the stakes are just different, <laughs> right. right? So get to know some parents. Yeah. Get like to know, like hang out with some, yeah. get to know, go to dinner with them and watch Let their everyday pay. reality. Right. Let them pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. But I mean, just get to know some parents. Or if you're going to the game anyway, mm-hmm. sit with the parents. Sit with them. Yeah. Sit with them. They won, mm-hmm. we'll Sweet. save you a seat and two yeah. will buy your popcorn, yep. which <laughs> is awesome. Yeah, but I think I think that is. I mean, I I went into full time youth ministry at twenty one. Yeah. Obviously, I did not have any teenagers at that point right. in my life, and so there was that that real challenge of I want to I want to help parents win, but I can't pretend like I'm an yeah. expert in this, or I yeah, can't no, pretend like good. I have any idea really what what they're going. But it's through. not it, it's not advice they want. From, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there uh, there that's are those point. things, and that's yeah. where the great small group leaders, you know, the older small group leaders can help you out, but. You know, it's just understanding, you know, I have this daydream of someday retiring and I want to go coach basketball again and teach like one math class hmm. and sleep in, you know, like and That's mountain the bike in the right afternoon, there. right? Yeah. That's how I want to retire. But I, one of the reasons I want to go back and teach is because now I know what it's like to have hmm. teenagers. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. feel like I would assign homework differently. My expectations wouldn't become less. I would just adjust Absolutely. Really how I motivate them, how I, now that I've, you know, had these years of experience and experienced the other side of it, how I would reach out to parents, I would reach out to every parent before there was an issue, you know, just really establishing that I care, ask them, you know, for it to be helpful, all that good stuff. So just some thoughts. When I was a high school teacher, I know I had a really similar experience and I think it's just important to remember, even if you're a young youth leader, you're a young teacher, you're in this because you understand and care about teenagers, you love teenagers, you enjoy teenagers, every parent of a teenager might not. You know, they might yeah. be a parent that's going, I haven't necessarily been around teenagers for a long time, don't necessarily love them. You have a really valuable role to play in helping a parent understand something about their kids. Yeah. Even if you don't understand how to parent a teenager, you do know some things about teenagers that parents need to know. That's true. And that was an angle, even now um, as a small group leader, that I'll use that angle to connect with parents because I understand, hey, even in the world I am now, I don't understand the reality of every parent and their teenager, their parenting reality, but I can say, hey, here's what I understand about sophomores in high school. I've been around Mm. sophomores in high school for a long time. And you just need to understand, this is kind of how this goes down. Yeah. Yeah. So what Kristen's not saying because she's humble is that she has put a <laughs> lot of time and energy into something called the, the phase project that has these things called, called phase guides that is broken down pretty much into, into grades that were year by year, year by year. So it's on. every, yeah. every year of, for 18 years. Um, and we created these summaries too, beyond the phase guides where it was just like bullet points of what's going on developmentally in a kid's life. And I use them as a small group leader. Yeah. Um, as if I just found these things, um, which is really fun. And I'm like, Hey, I picked up this resource. I think you guys might want to see this. (laughs) That's good. And, uh, but it's, wait, is this your name on the front? (laughs) No, No, there's no name on it. There's no name on it. You just just be like, Hey, I found this thing and it seems helpful. And you can start a conversation and be like, I know your kid. Here's some things about every kid. Yeah. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about these. And we handed those out at transit test drive. It was the fifth grade parent gathering where we'd Mm -hmm. say, Hey, here's what adolescence looks like. Here's the sixth grade. I think at that time it was just middle school. And then you broke them down into separate ones. But here's what's going on in kids' life. And it, the parents loved them. Yeah. Talk and about building wanna, a bridge. And, like it, w- that's and huge it was, for them. yeah. And it was a felt need. And, you know, to your point earlier, 
it felt helpful. Mm. It felt like, okay, you've considered me and you've given me something that's yep. super helpful. I'm coming to the next thing yep. or I'm reading the next email you send me. Yeah. You know? And so that, that helps your parents and that helps your small group leaders. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Especially the ones that we talked about, the older small group leaders yeah. who may have not seen a teenager in the last 20 years. Those phase guides <laughs> are definitely imperative. definitely deal with technology. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are some other resources that might help us as we're church leaders kind of navigate this and, and, and build this partnership to a better partnership? I think part of this is the hard work of figuring out who's already in your community. Um, you don't have to be a licensed professional counselor, but there probably are some in your community you should know. You don't have to understand how to write an individualized education plan, but you probably do need to know some people in your community who can come alongside a parent and help sit at the table mm -hmm. to find some additional resources if they need them. There are a whole bunch of resources in your community that you can find and identify and build a list so that if a parent says, wow, I didn't know I was going to need a parole officer where do I start? You go, actually, I know a couple of really great people and we can, we got you covered. Let me introduce you to somebody. Awesome. What else? What are some other resources? I want to go back to your community because I think that there is a parent in your community who has a lot of influence. Mm. And if you can spend some time with that parent who influences other parents on the regular, right? That's the person you need to be having coffee with mm. because they have more traction, I guess, probably with parents in your ministry than you do. And that influential parent letting the other parents know, hey, no, it's good. You should, you should go there. You can trust mm -hmm. them. Yep. Yeah. And so look for that person who's already there. One thing I would say to that, too, is when you find that parent, make sure that you are kind of figuring out their position of empathy and ability to relate. So oftentimes in youth ministry, um, I've watched somebody identify a parent who raised perfect children. And just because they raised perfect kids doesn't necessarily qualify them for the job of being hmm. parent expert yeah. because some parents are going, wait, but you did not have my child. I was going to say, it probably had less to do with the parent <laughs> and more to do with the kid. Mm -hmm. One of the things we put a lot of thought into with our curriculum is this exact piece. Like we want to cue parents up for conversation yeah. as it goes with our curriculum. So, you know, if you're user, if you are a user of XP3 um, and you haven't dug into those parent cue things yeah. that come with the curriculum oh, on a awesome. weekly basis. Yeah. It's a big deal. And I'm pretty excited about this. There's also a free app for parents called Parent Q. And we have recently been able to uh, allow churches to kind of customize that to go along with what you're teaching exactly. Yep. And um, what do we call that? Orange apps? Orangeapps.church is the website where okay. they can learn so more about that. Yeah. that. So your parents can download this app. It'll have free resources that, um, that actually coincide with the phase the kids are in because they enter the age of their kids. And your church can specifically push yeah. out content to them about what you're teaching. Yeah, so Orange Wide, kind of the, the, the parent partnership brand is kind of ParentQ. So if you hear us talk about ParentQ, yeah. it is a component of, a of the curriculum, yeah. but it's more than that. Kristen, talk a little bit more about what we do kind of with that ParentQ brand. ParentQ is a support community for parents. Honestly, there's a Facebook community where parents can interact with other parents. Just like Charlie was saying, get some expertise from a parent who's been through a similar situation. There's a, the app that Chef was mentioning where churches can, you can push out direct information to your parents, yeah. the resources in the curriculum. But ParentQ has the app, the Facebook community. The blog, website. The blog, a podcast, ParentQ podcast. And an event. Yeah, ParentQ Live yeah. just started up this year. Yeah, so we've been on the road now going to 17 cities, and it's just been fantastic. It's fun to get to meet parents and hear their stories. Yeah. And hear also one of the things that I think every youth worker needs to hear 
is getting to hear those stories on Parent Q Live event is encouraging because parents are coming up and bragging on you. Yeah. They're yeah. saying, no, these youth workers have changed our family. They've changed my kid's life. They've changed the future for us. And the work that you do with a teenager has such a tremendous impact on a parent and the way that a parent views the church. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about kind of the consistent communication piece earlier. A few resources that were really helpful uh, for me in that was Weekly, which is a, another thing that we do here, goweekly.com, where they give you weekly email templates. And uh, I, I used this phrase in, uh, in an earlier podcast this year, a buttload of resources. <laughs> well, it is. It's truly. a good phrase. I mean, for your parents, there's mm-hmm. parent Q resources and there's lead small resources. For, and, and when I talked about, hey, you know, getting them a resource every week, that's where I got most of them. I didn't have to create them. They're, they're right there and they're awesome. So and obviously, you know, Remind is kind of a, a free texting thing that we would use to create communication. Facebook, there are a lot of different ways you can do that. But, but just finding those resources to create that consistent weekly communication. So any last thoughts? This, this is something super easy. You guys should be able to have all this done within the next week or so. The whole idea of you get every parent <laughs> Always easy. to partner yeah. with you, to buy in, all your small group leaders to understand all those pieces. I mean, we could talk for so, for so much longer about this because one of the tensions, and maybe we just talked about this in another episode, is that we're talking about how this is one of your main jobs mm-hmm. as a youth leader. But most of you who got hired as part-time or full-time or maybe just volunteer staff, that's probably not in your job description. It's it might not even be something that your you know that your supervisor, your senior pastor sees as something you need to be worrying about or or doing. So there's that whole tension. Yeah, that is a tension we that we that, that we've got to That'd figure be out. Awesome. I think one thing for me would just be, um, I always called it the 20-60-20 rule. Like twenty percent of your parents are going to do everything you put out there for them to do. Twenty percent are not going to do any of it. And this is really about that middle 60%. Mm. But I don't want, I want you to realize this job is, it's nonstop. And don't get discouraged because you don't get everybody. I mean, it's, Mm. it's, that is no reason to Mm -hmm. stop this. It's way too important. And, you know, anything above 20% is, it's all you. So just go after that middle 60%, make it easy for them to show up, get it on their calendars as far out as you can, you know, keep it simple and um, just do your best to keep being helpful. Yeah, man. So there's so much good stuff in this. Like I said, we could talk forever about this kind of stuff and we might continue this conversation at another point, but we would love for you to check out rethinkingym.org for for the show notes. Maybe this is something that you want to share with someone. Maybe you want to send this podcast to another friend in ministry or maybe even your senior pastor for you guys to spark that conversation of what it looks like to better partner with parents. And we would love to hear more about what you think about this. What has worked for you? What have you learned when it comes to this? We'd love for you to join the conversation that's happening right now about this in our Facebook group. You can just head to rethinkingym.org and follow the link right there in the show notes. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today and we will see you next time.